Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. I read this little story in 1937. Architect Frank Lloyd Wright built a house for an industrialist named Hibbard Johnson. And one rainy evening, Johnson was entertaining some distinguished guests for dinner when all of a sudden the rain began to fall and the roof began to leak. The water was seeping directly above Mr. Johnson himself, dripping steadily onto his bald head. He became irate and immediately picked up the phone and called Mr. Frank Lloyd Wright, the famous designer and builder. Frank, he said, you built me this beautiful house and we are enjoying it very much. But I have told you that the roof leaks and right now I am here entertaining some friends and guests and the roof is leaking directly on top of my head. Wright's reply will go down in the ages. He said, well, why don't you move your chair? The problem with many people, and even many good Christian people, is that many times we face the problem of not moving our chair. In other words, tonight when, when things, when life begins to uh, press back on us, when we begin to face difficulties in life, it's very easy for us to get frustrated by the outward events that are happening to us. Many times tonight, the problem is not with the things happening to us. The problem is what's happening inside of us. And so this is a message that I want to preach uh, against the goads. And I want to take a shot tonight at the spirit of stubbornness that all of us can use. Let's read this scripture, Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly a light shone round him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, listen carefully, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, two powerful questions that'll change your life. He said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. 
So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, the power that, uh, that is able to break the spirit of stubbornness. God, that there are people, there are souls here tonight who have been making foolish decisions again and again. And when we make foolish decisions, God, it is like kicking against the goads. We are only hurting ourselves. And I'm praying tonight that you would wake us up, God, from this uh, stubbornness, God, that we can find peace and comfort as we uh, give ourselves once again to obedience. And we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity tonight in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen, against the goads. And I want to begin by looking, first of all, at what this phrase is pointing to. There is imagery being used uh, by Jesus as he's speaking to Saul of Tarsus. When he says this phrase, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. There is some, uh, some agricultural knowledge that goes along with that that we have to understand. And what we have to uh, remember is that this is all occurring in an agricultural society that, uh, that, 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 that it was before the Industrial Revolution. People worked on farms. And so when Jesus makes a statement like that, kick against the goads, anyone who would have heard that or read that a thousand years ago would have understood it. The problem is that we don't live in an agricultural society anymore. We live in a modern society where very few people work on farms anymore, work with farm animals anymore. Uh, and so we don't get it when the Bible uses this kind of language. But let me just give you a few hints here tonight. When Jesus says to Saul that it is hard for you to kick against the goads, what he's really talking about is an ox. Have you ever seen an ox? An ox is essentially a large cow. And oxen, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the times I went to go visit uh, in Williamsburg, Virginia, if you've ever been there, you know that they have the whole town set up the same way that it was in, uh, in 1778 or so, or, you know, that time frame of the American Revolution. And uh, one of the times that I was there, they actually had the ox farmer out there tending to his oxen. It was an amazing thing to observe because, you know, I've, I've never worked on a farm myself, haven't spent a lot of time around farm animals, and so I'm just watching. And, and so I was picking this man's brain and speaking to him about the oxen. And, and he uh, informed me, he said, the, these animals, are, they are crucial to the farm life. Uh, if you can imagine today on a farm, the most important pieces of equipment uh, are John and Deer. There's nothing more important than tractors, than automation. You know, uh, they, they have these amazing machines that can, uh, that can plant the seeds. Uh, they can water the crops. They can harvest the crops. And, uh, and one person can do the work of a thousand uh, from previous generations. But on the, before, the, before the, we were able to use 
uh, mechanized motors and tractors. Before we had John Deere's, do you know the, the, the most important piece of equipment on the farm was the ox? The ox was the John Deere tractor of the time. And the idea of a goad or a prick essentially is a long pole with a sharp point on the end. This is what the farmer would use to motivate the oxen. It is an ancient tool. It's been used for 4,000 years of human history. And essentially what it does, when I say that it motivates the oxen, it is a, uh, it is a sharp uh, prick. It is a sharp point that causes the oxen to be frightened and to move forward with greater expediency. It is most commonly used with oxen. The reason why we have ox goads and not uh, goat goads is because of their incredibly slow speed and often they are very obnoxious personalities. Are you getting a hint of why I'm preaching this yet? Slow speed and obnoxious personalities. When Jesus says to Saul that it is hard for you, Saul, to kick against the goads, he is revealing something to him about himself. You are the ox, Saul. That you have been kicking against the very thing that I've been trying to lead you into. Sometimes we need a good stick in the rear end. Sometimes we need a swift kick from the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get slow. I get stubborn. Sometimes I start standing around in the middle of the field when there's work to be done. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit motivation to kick us in the rear end sometimes. The proud might balk at this and say, how dare God, how dare you, Jesus, compare me to such a barbaric beast of burden. The truth is that it's probably more insulting to the ox that God compares us to that animal. Why? You know, I never heard of an animal disobeying the will of God. When God came down in the garden, He pronounced four curses, right? After the sin had occurred, He cursed the man, and then He cursed the woman, and then He cursed the serpent, and then He cursed the ground. But I never heard God cursing any animals, I mean, beside the serpent. And that is because the animal kingdom pretty much obeys the will of God. Jesus didn't die for turkeys and cows and dogs and cats. Why? Because they didn't need to be saved by Jesus. It is us human beings. Because why? Because we are the rebellious ones. We are the stubborn ones. We are the ones that God says, do this, and we do that. And God says, don't do that, and we do it anyway. Am I preaching anybody tonight? The ox 
as I mentioned, is the most important animal on the farm. And in the same way, the human being, you and I, we have to understand that there is nothing more important to God than the, than the, the righteous uh, redemption of lost souls. See, when God looks at the world, he says, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot. Jesus said the fields are white for harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers because the harvest is what? Plentiful. But the laborers are few. God needs a few good oxen tonight. The problem is oxen are stubborn. They don't want to work. When I looked at those oxen there in Williamsburg, uh, something that was interesting that occurred there is uh, that there was two oxen that were strapped together in a yoke. They were both male oxen. They were very large. Uh, they probably weighed as much as a VW bug. You know, each one of them massively. And, and uh, they took very good care of them, well fed. But these two that were in oxen uh, that were in a yoke together, there was one older, experienced ox pulling together with a younger, inexperienced ox. And I began to ask about that because there was an obvious size difference. And I remembered the scripture that, you know, be careful that, that, uh, that who you are yoked to, right, in the, in the word of God. Uh, do not be unequally yoked together. And so I remembered that scripture. I thought, you know, the, these are obviously unequal oxen. Why are they together? And the man explained to me. Well, see, the older, experienced ox, he's been poked a lot more times than the younger, inexperienced one. And what that means is that as they are plowing a field together, as they are pulling a weight behind them, the, older one, the younger one will try to deviate. The younger one will try to pull off to the side. Or the younger one, he'll get tired and he'll start slowing down. But the older one is there to show him that he just needs to keep going. The older one has learned a few lessons in life, right? The older one has figured out that it doesn't help to kick against the goads. And so as they're plowing together, the older ox is helping the younger one to understand you just need to keep pushing. Oxen do not particularly enjoy being in a yoke. It's possible for them to set their will against it. The ox is known for its, as I said, obnoxious personality, the stubborn behavior of young oxen. Now, you might think this is animal cruelty. You might think this is, this is uh, it's cruel and unusual punishment. Why would you do this? Because over time... When the farmer uses the ox goad, he is helping that ox to achieve its full potential. Without the goad, he will never do what he was made to do. Are you getting a picture yet? Without the goad, without the motivation, without the sharp end of the stick, you and I will also never achieve our potential. What an accurate description Jesus gave to the Apostle 
Paul before he was the apostle. And what an accurate picture he gives to all of us. Oh, how perverse are our wills to our master. Oh, how we want to pull away from the yoke that he has laid upon us. Oh, how we are so distracted by the trees and the fields and the things around. And we forget about the work and the task that is at hand. Surely you and I are far more stubborn than any animal in a field. Romans 3.15 says that their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is a description of sinful humanity. Listen to what Spurgeon said about this scripture. He said, we will not go the right way. We constantly choose the wrong naturally. We go to the fire of sin. We put our finger on it. We burn it, but we do not learn. Then we thrust our hands into it. Then we suffer for it. And we return to plunge our entire arm into the flame. This is what I'm after tonight. There are people that are here tonight. There are people watching online right now who are desperately suffering. Who are desperately praying, God, deliver me from this circumstance. There are people possibly here tonight, you've said, devil, I bind you and cast you far from my life. But Jesus didn't say anything about the devil in this scripture. The problem that this ox was facing was his own doing. Some of the greatest problems we face in this life is not the devil. It's not bad luck. It's because many times we kick against goads. It's all right. I'm just going to keep on preaching. How quick we are to resist the Holy Spirit. How quick we are to resist what He's trying to do in our lives. How slow we are to obedience. Can I be honest with you tonight? I have seen people make the same stupid mistake. Week after week, month after month, year after year. I have even seen it in my my own life. That there are certain behaviors that I wish they would just vanish, but how stubborn I am. Maybe if you could be as half as honest, you could see that there are some goads that the Lord is trying to direct you. But you're not changing. I want you to hear this tonight. God does not give up on stubborn oxes. There's some hope here tonight. It's not all bad news. Because God understands the great value of this animal. The farmer, just as the farmer would say, there's no animal who's more important to me than the ox. Even with all of its bad attitudes, even with its stubbornness, even with all of the injuries that are caused, because when I'm trying to correct, he kicks against. Even dealing with all of those problems, the farmer will still say to you, 
He's my most important animal. Because without that ox, I can't do what I need to do. Can you hear the voice of God? Who looks down on us, stubborn, recalcitrant. We begin, we, God convicts us, and even sometimes the conviction will fall, and we'll go to the altar, and we go right out the door, back to our stupid decisions. Back to disobedience. Back to foolishness. Back to foolish ways of thinking and processing life. Still kicking, but God still says, I'm willing. I'm willing to help. The reason that Jesus compared Saul here. You know, Saul... What is up, Sermon Podcast listeners? This is Pastor Adam from the Virginia Beach Potter's House. Wanted to say thank you again for listening to this podcast. We hope that you have been enjoying the new daily podcast format. We have been doing our best to post a daily sermon, uh, either from our church or from around the fellowship. We want to ask a couple of favors of you, if you don't mind. First of all, if you are listening to this, make sure that you are subscribed. There's a lot of people who are listening to these and navigating to them uh, every single day, uh, but it would be better for you and a whole lot better for us if you make sure that you are subscribed so that you get daily sermons de- delivered directly to your phone or your computer. Uh, the next thing I want to ask you to do is make sure that you leave us a review. We want to ask you, if you're enjoying the daily podcast, fellowship sermons from around the world, please, please go and uh, give us a rating, give us a five stars. Uh, and if you enjoy this, we want to ask you to please share this. No doubt there's people in your church that would enjoy listening to a daily sermon from around the fellowship. The third big thing I want to ask you to do is I want to talk to the sound booth guy in your church. And I believe that there are some treasure trove sermons out there. We've built a platform that uh, I believe we could use for the kingdom. And no doubt that there are some of you, you know somebody who knows somebody who's got about 10,000 sermons in the sound booth that they've been sitting on. Or, or maybe you've got a sermon that you think uh, would be great to share on this sermon podcast. We want to hear from you. We want to, we want to get our hands on those, uh, on those sermons so that we can publish them and we can get them out to the rest of our fellowship. So those are my big three requests. Uh, we want to say thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Thanks a lot, guys. Was He had an incredible history, didn't he? He was, uh, by his own account, he says, I was a Jew among Jews. I was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was, he was educated in the finest uh, Jewish schools. He had, uh, he had a, a heart for what he believed was the things of God. He thought that by pursuing the early church and chasing after them and even uh, leading to murder, and we know how he held the garments of those who killed Stephen. And yet, what this scripture reveals to us is that all that time, the Holy Spirit was dealing with Saul like a goad. It's not right. 
what you're doing, Saul, it's not right. Don't go that way. But what do we do? Boom! We kick. Not today. Don't deal with me here, Lord. Boom! We kick against the Holy Spirit. And every time you kick, can I tell you, you are causing greater damage. When we kick, when we, uh, when we flail against the Holy Spirit, when we resist what God is doing in our lives, we are making it harder for ourselves. Every disobedience, you think it's going to make it easier. Uh, we posted a sermon on Tuesday. If you're, if you're not following, our church posts uh, sermons, a, a daily sermon uh, uh, from our fellowship. Uh, every day uh, on, a, on our podcast. And uh, man, the Pastor Campbell sermon on Tuesday was a zinger. He spoke about honesty. He spoke about lying. And he, he, he began to say that, uh, that to, to, to come clean often to, for many people is harder than it is to cover up. And he says, when you cover things up, when you don't deal with them, when you throw them under the rug and put them under the bed... You're only hurting yourself and causing greater harm down the road. It's always better to come clean and deal with the problem and be honest with yourself when, you, when there is always lying involved with sin. Lying to yourself, lying to God, lying to the Holy Spirit, but we don't deal with those things because we don't want to come clean. Instead, like Adam in the garden, we cover cover up and every time we do that we are kicking against the goads this is why and when we kick against the goads one day one day it's going to come to a point it's going to come to a place where we have to confront it Jesus, Jesus had to meet personally with Saul on the road. He had to have a personal face-to-face revelation with this man. I pray, you know, this, what this reveals to us is that Saul was an especially stubborn person. Because not everybody requires a revelation of the risen Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. You know what I'm saying? It gives us hope, really, because if God can change that stubborn man, then there's maybe some hope for you. Jesus, again, he said, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. Have you ever felt the goad? Have you ever felt the prodding of the Lord? Of course you have. You felt the prodding of God. You felt the Holy Spirit uh, uh, driving you. You felt the sharp end of the stick sometimes david said your rod and your staff they comfort me similar imagery right in psalm 23 what is he talking about he's talking about that that staff that the shepherd would carry for the sheep the rod and the staff and they say that that the the rod that a shepherd would carry it would have on one side it would have a round uh bend so that uh, if a, a sheep fell down into some steep place or into, into a, a river or something that he could, he could reach down and he could pull the sheep out with the hook. But that on the other side of the staff, 
<laughs> was a pointy end. That he could drive the sheep when they were going, to, going the wrong direction. And what does David say about that? He said, Lord, your rod and your staff, they comfort. Neither the hook nor the sharp end sounds very comfortable to me. And yet, David recognizes that, Lord, I need the sharp end of the stick sometimes. Because without it, I'm going the wrong way. If you're a parent, sometimes you have to understand this, that correction is necessary for little kids that are going the wrong direction. The Scripture tells us that if you don't correct your child, then you hate your child. If you can't teach them to listen to your voice, then you've got to use other means. We have to goad our children sometimes. Now, I'm not talking about abuse tonight. Please don't take me the wrong way. But how many understand that your children, they don't naturally want to do things right? They don't naturally want to go poo-poo in the potty. You have to teach them. They don't naturally want to keep their fingers out of their noses. You have to teach them. They don't naturally want to stay clean. You have to teach them how to use the bathtub and the toothbrush, right? They don't naturally want to eat healthy. You have to teach them. And sometimes it requires a little motivation. How does God goad us? I've got good news for you. It's all here. His word is the goad. 1 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Everybody say the word reproof. Ouch. For correction, for instruction in righteousness. The way that God steers us, the way that God corrects us is through His Word. This is exactly what Saul experienced on the road. He heard the word of Jesus when he spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He also uses certain afflictions. You you, got to make a room in your theology for this. Sometimes God afflicts the righteous. That's not in a lot of people's theology. Do you remember the story of uh, Jonah? Jonah, who was a, an ox going the wrong direction. And God said, I want you to go preach to the city of Nineveh. And he said, no, no, don't want to do that. And he went the opposite direction of God's will. And the Bible said, as he's uh, moving away from the will of God, that each time that he is going further and further away from God, and finally God says, you know what? i got to afflict this brother. I'm going after him. It says that the Lord sent a storm. The Lord sent a storm. Not the devil. It wasn't just random. 
And then, so, you know, the, the storm is so bad that the pagan sailors are, uh, they're tossing overboard their, 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 their cargo and they're saying, uh, they're crying out to their false gods and saying, please don't kill us. And here's Jonah who knows exactly what's going on. He says, guys, the problem is me. I'm a prophet of the Lord God and I'm disobedient. And so if you toss me overboard, Everything's going to be okay. So they tossed him overboard. And then it says that the Lord sent a great fish to swallow Jonah. It wasn't from the devil. It wasn't just a random chance occurrence. The Lord sent the fish to afflict Jonah. Why? Why is this? Because Jonah was kicking, kicking against the goads. And it wasn't until Jonah was in the bottom of the fish at the bottom of the ocean is the first time we read that Jonah prayed. He cried out to God. And so that story is, it turns out good. Because finally, Jonah turned back to God. They say that, you know, God is not going to um, force you to do His will. But God can make us miserable when we're disobedient. He has that right. Am I preaching good news to you tonight? The good news is that we can turn back to Him. The good news is that He's not done with us yet. The good news is that even though you might be afflicted because you've been kicking, you've been been stubborn, you've come to ask for advice. I told you, don't do it. You went to prayer and asked God, should I do this? And God said, no, don't do that. But you did it anyway. Some of the most depressed people in the world are disobedient Christians who know what it means to do right and they're not doing it. Wasn't it James who said that a man who knows to do good and then doesn't do it, to him it is sin. God literally knocked Paul off of his horse. C.S. Lewis said it like this, God whispers to us in our pleasures and He shouts at us in our pain. Isaiah 53, verse 10, It pleased the Lord to bruise Him. Is that in your theology tonight? It's because of the disobedience of humanity that God allowed His own Son to suffer on the cross. My worst day as a Christian, though, is still far better than my best day as a sinner. Why is that? Because we still have a connection with God. I want you to think about these questions as we close. The questions that will change your life are the questions that Saul asked of the Lord Jesus when he realized that So much of the problems of his life had been caused by kicking against the goads. He said, who are you, 
Lord. The journey of your life of blessing begins with a single step. It's right here. Who are you, Lord? You know what's amazing to me about that question? With all of Saul's degrees, all of his learning and all of his philosophy and all of his background and all of his uh, teaching and his, uh, his pharisaical uh, education, he still didn't know who Jesus was. What does that tell us tonight? You can go to church a thousand times and hear a thousand sermons and you still don't know who Jesus is. Still don't know him. Have you asked that question lately? Lord, I want to know who you are. The second question cuts to the heart. Verse 6, So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you know what that means? Complete and total surrender to God. You see, those oxen, when they will stop kicking against the goads, when they will stop bucking against the will of the farmer, when that ox will simply take upon himself the yoke that he's been given, I want to tell you there's no better life for an ox. He will be fed well. He will be taken care of. He will, he, he will be treated nicely. That farmer understands that this ox is the key to the success of his entire farm. So he's going to take good care of that ox if the ox will be surrendered. Stop kicking. He understands that if you just stop kicking, I won't have to repair all of the wounds on your backside because of your stubbornness. God understands tonight that if we would just surrender, He's got blessing waiting for us. There is so much power tonight in submission. Submission to Christ. See, we think it's opposite. We think that when we rebel that we have power. No, when we rebel against God, we make ourselves slaves. But when we surrender to the Lord, we find ourselves living lives of great power. Listen to some scriptures. Luke eleven twenty eight. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Luke 6, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, he is like a man who built his house on the rock. When the flood rose, the streams beat against that house, could not shake it. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father. John 13, 7, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. It goes on and on. I can find hundreds of scriptures about obedience. The problem is we can listen to all those scriptures and still kick, kick. And every time we kick, there's another hole in the backside. And every time we resist the Holy Spirit, God wants to move in your life. 
God's been dealing with you. Maybe about giving. Maybe about obedience. Maybe about ministry. God's been dealing with you about evangelism or prayer. And what do we do? We kick. Not today, God. I've got better plans. And our life is full of holes. Gaping wounds. God has to carefully repair them. Revelation twenty two fourteen. Blessed are they that do His commandments. That they may have the right to the tree of life. And may enter in through the gates in the city. See, heaven belongs to the obedient. Heaven is not a place for the ox who kicks against the goads. You are so important to God. Your life is important to God. Your future is important to God. God understands that this world's not going to be saved unless He has some willing and surrendered servants. My question to you tonight, are you kicking? Are you kicking against the goads? Are you resisting the influence of the Holy Spirit in some area of your life? I want to encourage you tonight. I want to challenge you to a spirit of surrender. Maybe I'm not the only stubborn one in here tonight. Maybe God would deal with some oxen and bring us back into His will. Let's bow our heads tonight and close our eyes as we allow God to speak to us. Before we close this... We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vbph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.